I'm just trying to work out what that weird cupboard thing, halfway up cupboard thing is. The door thing. This is a closet. It looks like it's halfway up the wall, or is it just the angle? Uh, something in front of it. Oh, oh there's something oh, in front oh, of it. A, That's why. Be- this is a this is a box. There's a bed. That's it. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So, what is this halfway up the wall closet thing? I want to see what this is. When you get a yeah. Arvid, I'm curious if you're dealing with this. Like, uh, you get a, you get a house, you immediately get uh, like five times the space that yes. you have in an apartment, and then four fifths of that turns into storage. And uh, the one room that you spend all the time in is like well kept enough so that you could have house guests over. <laughs> Yep, that's uh, pretty much the same here. Although we don't, um, I, I'm in the basement, and our basement is our storage. So you you better don't see what's over there, and you really should look over there. This is almost okay because it's just a wall with my stuff on it. But uh, we have a couple dozen storage boxes here and like piles of things. Um, everything else in the upstairs is, is furnished and finished, so that that is clean. And we didn't bring much stuff. Honestly, we lived in a super tiny space, and we even threw away half of our stuff before we moved. So everything that came here was mostly used slash books which was the, the biggest part of it and those are just like resting in those little boxes and then you see know, unfinished basement right so we're trying to make make use of that as much as we can but yeah lots of weird closets and really stupid design choices by the people who built this place like for some reason one wall in the upstairs has no outlets for power whatsoever but a lot of little nooks and and you, you know little corners where you could put tables to put lamps on and stuff like that but no power Lanterns. So it's just the, the, the most, Handles. yeah, we have battery, battery operated power, like, uh, mm. just lamps there that, that have no access to power. People make the weirdest choices when they build their homes. Mm. And as a first time homeowner, by the way, I have to show you this. I just got that from Danielle yesterday, how your house works, a, a, a book that explains <laughs> to me how the, the gas heater works or, you know, how switches work or a smart meter, what that is. It's actually quite cool because there's so much stuff in this house that I have no idea about. Like, I don't know what a sump pump is. I, I have no idea. Do you want, to, want me to run a chainsaw? Wow. You know, like there's, there's all kinds of things that you have to learn when you when you move into a house. Yeah. And it's, it's somewhere between extremely exciting because it's yours and super frustrating because it doesn't come with a manual unless you buy this book. Mm. So it's, it's really, really odd. But I'm having a great time. I mean, look at what this place, as unfinished as it is, has allowed me to do. I just do whatever I want from home. And be happy. Couldn't be more blessed. Hashtag. So what's <laughs> what's at the blessed. other what's at the other sides of the room? Is it the the weapons on one side and the dead bodies at the other? <laughs> I mean, if I if I can show you something here. So this is where my my studio is, right? You see the yeah. Oh, let me try to. Uh, there's lots of lights that are currently switched off, and then there's a little chair, and that's what I sit on and record in front of me. I thought that was a makeup right table then as well. <laughs> no, no that, that that is really just me sitting on a on a bar stool, and then there's a lot of curtains, like noise blocking curtains here. Wow! Um, and in the back, you see a stack of things, and that that is the one side. The other side is uh, a sofa and a big ass screen with a with a um, projector. That's huge. On the other side. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Th- right, that is where be... we watch everything. This is this is gonna be quite nice, Arvid. 
And I, I don't think we even need to finish it because we obviously already have everything we want. Like I have my office, I have my studio, there's our little uh, movie watching station and whatever stuff we have, we just throw over there with the other things. It's, it's cool. It's really I have a adorable. feeling you're going to get quite handy. Uh, I, I have a feeling this is just the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and this might not be our forever home either because it's just our, mm. our first home that we have here in Canada because we needed a place. We moved into this house. It's wonderful. It only flooded once, you know, little things but um you know like with more and more um things that we do we save more money we build another home at some point and then more stuff happens but i'm super happy here like honestly it couldn't be more more happy to be in this place how's canada doing in the olympics they're actually not too bad like, obviously mm. everybody here is into skiing and skating for some reason like the, everybody's playing hockey mm. like there are two-year-olds that skate better than i do and it, it's it's uh i was depressing. talking about this with my wife yesterday which is like so here in the states uh the summer olympics it's all about track and field and gymnastics and in the winter you can say maybe figure skating maybe hockey um but in all, all, I feel like in all different parts of the world, you kind of have like the prime time uh, sports are, are different. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious, yeah. like what those are and, and what you've seen from Germany to Canada so far. And Craig, I don't know what Germany, you guys do in the, in the winter. Germany is like biathlon, like where people skate and Ooh. shoot at stuff. I don't know if that's a military tradition or not, but people certainly like that stuff. And any any kind of ski thing, like downhill slopes and stuff, that's German very much. And Canada, I kid you not, is curling and hockey. Yeah. Two of the most bizarre sports in either, you, you know, like in, in all, all of by themselves, because curling is just super weird and fun. Watching people like using brooms, it's just hilarious as a sport. And then hockey is a super aggressive, super high tempo sport that everybody in this country loves, me included. Obviously, I have to, I need to integrate. Um, it's just, uh, it's a big thing, but they don't really care much about like snowboarding or skiing or all these other things here. They just really care about things with a puck or things with, um, with brooms. Mm. That's, that's what they care about. And it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Wayne, Wayne there is an actual curling club here in town. Wait, I feel like Wayne Gretzky has, it's like Michael Jordan of, of Canada, probably. Yeah. Oh, n nobody here cares about any basketball player or maybe some baseball players. But like, if you talk about Gretzky or Broder or those, those, those really mm. famous hockey players, that, that's when people start smiling and reminiscing about their youth and stuff. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's adorable because it's something that I've never witnessed anywhere else because people in Germany don't care about hockey, at least it didn't until a couple of years ago when the team started getting good, mostly because they import Canadians. Like Canadians who didn't make it into the NHL, they go to Europe and they're really good there. And they're raising mm. the, the the level of, of the sport. Mm. And um, here everybody is fan of one team or another. And there's like lines through the families, which teams are supported and stuff. It's what soccer is in or, or mm. football, which uh, is the right name for it, obviously, in Europe. You know, what, what that is for most Europeans, that, that is hockey here. And it's adorable. Mm. Should we start recording? I, I have a feeling that this I is something did. that the world needs to hear. I already did. Oh, cool. So it, always, it always starts like this. Uh, it's, funny. It's better when it yeah. starts like this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm 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 just so happy. I'm I've been having a great time here. Obviously with the pandemic and everything, you can't really leave the house, which is great for me because I don't want to. And uh <laughs> it allows me to do the things that I want to do. 
and I've been having a great time. How have you guys been? Like, we haven't done this uh, in a while, and I would like to uh, hear how your life has been developing. Wow, that's sinister, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, for me to take notes, <laughs> to report later. You know. Every time I feel like somebody asks this question, even my friends, I feel like, yeah, nothing's really changed. Um, yeah. it, well, in the UK, the whole pandemic thing is pretty much gone. Um, we're just left with Boris Johnson in power now. Um, Would you have preferred it the other way around? Like, Boris Johnson goes, but you keep the pandemic? Is that preferable? <laughs> Good question. Well, it nearly killed him, but it didn't quite kill him. So it, it would have it been nice. Um, but oh God! Yeah, so we can we can we can go out now. We can go out. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying it. one of the things. Right, I know this is going to sound weird, but one one of the things since everything's opened back up, I've just been spending a whole lot of time going and seeing friends again, which sounds so strange. But I've just been outside, going to restaurants, seeing friends, actually meeting people in person. Um, I haven't really been doing all of that much. Um, you know, working on a project online or anything like that. I've just been occasionally tweeting, occasionally, um, well, doing the podcast on a Wednesday, and that's about it. That that's really really all I've been doing. Let's talk about Wednesday at some point. Oh god, <laughs> it's wild, dude. <laughs> how's how's Wednesday audio, Craig? How is it? Well. Yeah, it's it's wild, isn't it? I'm Where just, are you in the rankings right now? Uh, I don't know. Let's have a look. It it fluctuates every week. I was I was far too popular for my own good last week, and I, <laughs> I suggested suggested people stop listening to it for a few weeks so we go back down in the rankings because you know you don't want to get too popular, do you? Right? No, no, no. Yeah, of course not. Why would you? Hundred. Uh, hundred at the minute in Apple Podcasts in the Great Britain <laughs> section, improv section. Nowhere in the That's United awesome. States. Obviously, no one likes me in the US. That shocks me, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you say at one point you one of your podcasts was doing incredibly well in the states? Yeah, uh, uh, all of anything I usually make always does better in the states than it does in the UK. Uh, mm. I think it's just that exotic flavor, isn't it? In mm. the, the, the US. Wildly exotic. <laughs> yeah. They they like that exotic sound and that exotic accent. So they they're like, what what is this? What is this? What is this voice? Where is this from? This is from Alien Land. I need to continue to listen to this. Um oh, funny. So yeah, I, I, I kind of mid I don't know, maybe five or six months ago, I stopped doing a lot of the stuff I was doing, took a little bit of a break. I don't think we even spoke about the whole idea of a creative sabbatical and things like that where i wasn't doing anything for a while um Ooh, interesting yeah i just kind of mm. stopped just stopped everything i kind of got a little bit sick of it maybe probably maybe october november time last year and i just stopped mm -hmm. most things because i was doing a lot of stuff um yep. doing doing the daily visual stuff trying to run a community doing lots of podcasts writing newsletters writing way too many tweets um, and I, I just got sick of it all. Not burnt out, but I probably would have got burnt out if I would have continued. Um, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to take a break. Because I'd, at that point, throughout the entire pandemic, I had been pumping out endless amounts of content. All kinds of different stuff. So I should believe that, shouldn't I? 
second. Yeah, please um, beep that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been pumping out so much stuff that I never sat back to consider, is any of this any good? Is this leading to anything? Is there any point in me making any of this? Even sat back and thought, what what's going on with Twitter? What was the point in building 5,000, 6,000 followers? Why did I do that? It didn't, I just kind of just paused and thought, right, I'm going to reflect on all this for a month or two. And that's around the time when I made the Wednesday audio <laughs> that uh, was just kind of a, I guess a response, a response to all that stuff I'd been doing for the last year that, to be frank, when I reflected on it, I'd gotten very sick of. Um, I I think maybe this is something we'll talk about a little bit. I think Twitter and a lot of the things have changed a lot over the last two or three years, um, mm. and I'd become quite sick and cynical of a lot of the things that I was seeing, and the quote-unquote satirical podcast the Wednesday audio came accidentally out of that mm. because the the whole thing initially was I wanted to start a newsletter because I had a desire to make more long-form content mm-hmm. sorry I had a desire to make more long-form stuff um and I, I I felt like I was holding myself back by writing so many tweets honestly I felt like I was spending so much time writing 380 characters that I didn't get the chance to ever write 200 yeah <laughs> um I didn't get the chance to write anything long form or express myself mm. properly or, or explore other mediums so I started the newsletter and the initial idea was a long form post um on a Friday the Wednesday audio which actually started very serious and sincere and um mm on Monday was just going to be a visual, a little doodle or something like that. And mm-hmm. if I don't expect any, either of you listened to the Wednesday audio from the beginning, but if you would have listened from episode one through to about 15, um, things slowly start to build up <laughs> through those, those episodes. Um, You're right. And, and it, th- I'm just lo- waiting, actually waiting to go back and binge the whole thing. So yeah, in one sitting, that's gonna be like that's gonna probably gonna cause some sort of brain damage, but for the for the good, you know, yeah. like <laughs> the whole the whole story. You know Not that it's bad. Like Craig, please understand, I love your show, but I think prolonged exposure is gonna be a problem. You, you know what's the silliest thing about all this, right? That I I spent one and a half years making stuff on the internet, writing loads of tweets, nobody really caring, building an online following whatever that means, making the these kind of visuals and doodles that I really enjoyed making, and I still do. They used to get lots of likes. No one ever interacted with them. I make the silliest, stupidest podcast that's ever been invented in the history of podcasts, and and people suddenly start to realise, oh, you, you know what, maybe Craig's right about some points. It's mm-hmm. just... I, I don't no. get it. Credibility is is a really complicated thing, like particularly in, a, in an attention centric audience, like a, a world, right? Uh, the whole audience that we build, everything is just focused around getting their attention, 
and uh, keeping, retaining att attention and credibility is something that is very fleeting most of the time. Like people say, oh, yeah, I've done this and then people follow them, but they kind of get bored and, or they don't believe them or whatever. I, I think by just being yourself in this case, by just like doing something that is right out of your brain, unfiltered through this kind of um, almost persona-like thing that most people eventually project into social media, just you being yourself, which is not a persona, it's just a person. I think people are now all of a sudden see you as a real person. Not just Craig, the the Twitter person, but a Twitter persona, but Craig, who is also on Twitter. I think that makes all the difference, just by, by you letting it flow out of you and beeping particular parts of it. I think that is just, that, I mean, that's a nice gimmick, but I, I just feel everything you do is just really you. In, in that particular podcast, it just comes through so clearly. And that colors everything that I see you do. Like now I don't read your tweets as um, constructed sarcasm anymore. Like, I, I, there might have been a point where I, I see, okay, this this is supposed to be a tweet that is kind of sarcastic and kind of looking at the world through this laconic lens, right? You, you, that, that's what you can read into it. But knowing who you are, knowing your other work, okay, that's just crack thinking. And that makes all the difference, I feel. And and that's like authenticity very, very clearly expressed there. I think mm. I think we've we've all three of us, and we spoke about this quite a bit at length before, all three of us are really good at showing ourselves. I don't think mm. any of us are in, in any of this thing to to project anything else. But I think probably out of the three of us, I was the one that was slipping a little bit further away from that on Twitter, specifically on Twitter purely because I was putting the pressure on myself to write so many mm. things and interact with so many people and becoming obsessed to to grow it just for a challenge basically mm. how did that how did that show itself to you like when you when you got to October last year like how did you feel that this is too much what what, what came up what came up I'm trying to think now well, we what what really came up is it, that will have been around the time when um, things had started started to open back up in in the UK, and I was starting to see people again in person, and I was starting to try and to integrate real life with online life. I was going to call it fake life then, but real life and online life, and. Mm. Uh, you you started i started to having to make some decisions because before i was locked in my house all the time sat at my computer i could make as much stuff as i wanted to because there was literally nothing else to do now well jujitsu reopened i could go back to the gym i could see friends again suddenly i found i didn't have the time that i had before so now i had to make a very real decision which things were i going to give up and I didn't, I didn't know. I, I, I couldn't work out really what I wanted to. So I just give up them all for a little bit to try and see which ones bubbled back up to mm. that were worth making or not. And by putting that one or two months time and distance between it, I saw the futility of some of the things that I was doing. Um, mm. when, when you're in it every day, it's, it's kind of easy to get caught up in the idea that Oh, I just need to keep grinding. I need to keep grinding. I need to keep growing. I need to keep growing. I need to keep going. Because the individual effort doesn't matter when you consider the bigger picture. But when you stop doing the individual effort, you can see sometimes that the bigger picture of what you were trying to do 
maybe wasn't right in my instance anyway and that's really what happened i ran out of time a little bit of time and i wanted to spend some more time with friends and do real things for mm-hmm. for a little while and that that kind of just put me put me on the path to change a couple of things and i joined a little bit of a discord community with thomas bevan as well and that changed me my opinions on a lot of other stuff i read a lot of his work um i still do read a lot of his work and that that's not not really i wouldn't say against but it's it offers a different opinion as to what a lot of other people offer online mm-hmm. talk about some of his work a bit i've read him uh here and there and i really admire his mind uh but i don't know him yeah how to describe it he's he's very influenced by um some of the things that I don't know if I've mentioned some of the books before on here, like the image by Daniel Borstein that talks about pseudo events and how most things, this book was written in the forties or the fifties or the sixties, the book was written. And it talks about the idea of celebrity and how people have now become famous for just being famous and not having any real true skill or art. And he, he talks about stuff like that and kind of, trying to make things that mean things uh mm. i i have long since believed in that i've done a lot of talks in person about um particularly around web design and design and things like that about how we're losing that artful touch to a lot of the things that we do and he talks a lot about that off offline thinking going for walks living a good life you know uh, an analog life versus a digital life and excuse me and a lot of other stuff like that so really about building a good life and doing good work which i I think is a a really damn important thing and he's also a little bit of a luddite so his vision of doing good work is he's a writer you know he he has an ipad and and no other devices and he writes stuff on substack so he's he's in a very different world to what I am, constantly connected, constantly online, constantly looking at the digital side of things. So he has a very different viewpoint on a lot of those things, and that changed my viewpoint on a lot of stuff. When I started reading some of those books as well, like Amusing Ourselves to Death and The Image by Daniel Borstein and these other kind of things, it really makes you think about some of the things that are moving at a very quick pace. online it makes you question a lot of it and and that's what he does that's what he does really well i think question things um i I i think a lot of the time i was there too like i was describing before you are so in the day to day of wanting to quote unquote grow something that you forget to question whether it's worth it or whether it's even the thing you should be doing you don't even question the quality of it a lot of the time it's just another rep to, to, to lead to another rep to lead to a, to another thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that describes his work a little bit. Just go, go read it. Um, for anybody listening, just Google Thomas J. Bevan, his, his substack where he writes the most of the time. But he set up a community as well, a Discord community. Um, he called it the Soaring Twenties Social Club. Um, the whole idea of it is to just make good work. And it, people from all kinds of 
walks of life come into it. Although what's noticeable is that there's a large amount of coders, tech people, all these kind of people who are a little bit burnt out on Mm -hmm. the whole tech thing coming into this community, trying to work out how to make good work again. Often for them, because Thomas is a writer, often that they start having to go at writing or something like that, writing fiction or writing long stories or something. Sometimes it's it's visual stuff, you know, drawing and art, art and things like that. It takes its form in many ways. But the prevailing thing is that people want to come in there and make good work, whatever that means to them. Not work mm. that that needs to lead to another thing. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Just work in itself. They're not mm-hmm. thinking about even selling it or how mm. to promote it or anything like that. Just a desire to make good work, and that's quite refreshing, I, I think. Mm. Online. Did did it did it shape what you do with Wednesday Audio, or is that separate? You think? I think it shaped it to some extent. Um, because I view I view that show of yours as an art form. I don't, I don't know how you think about it, but when I, when I listen to it, um, I, I, I think it's cool how there are like recurring themes from episode to episode that doesn't make it art. Um, it's funny. It makes me laugh, you know, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's comedy. I, I think it's, it's just very different. And if you were to draw like a, uh, a competitive landscape of all the audio shows out there and draw some axes like Craig's show is like up in, in the top right hand corner. I don't know what the X and Y axis is, but yeah. like it's, it's different, you know, and that makes it very special um, because no one else is really doing anything quite like that. Um, you might find uh, you might find like a comedian who's put together an album of like 20 skits and find that available on, on Spotify. But, um, no one that's probably like going in week in and week out and just like stringing this stuff together. Um, so I, I, I'm curious how much that has, has shaped, uh, like Thomas's philosophies have shaped that, but regardless, um, I think it's, I think it's really, really neat, really different and quite, uh, quite an art performance art. Thank you. Performance art is an interesting term. The The group as a whole, this is what makes the group so special. They encourage you to just keep making it, no matter how different it is or how silly it is or, or what, whatever terms you would want to use. They see the positive in it and encourage you to double down on that positive. So... um Someone's knocking at my door, and I think it's an Amazon man. Hold that thought. Two seconds. Two seconds. I didn't know Amazon made it all the way to the UK. Uh, not into Craig's room either. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Don't they, don't they have yeah. the, the? They they now can get into your garage. I think they could just get into your bedroom if they wanted to. <laughs> don't they like bring? Uh, can't they just drop packages straight through your chimney? I think so with the drones and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, the Santa move. I think so. Yeah, definitely. I, I Honestly, uh, here it's really nice. They, they just come, throw stuff in front of your door. Sometimes they knock and then they leave. So mm. it's always a nice little surprise when you open your door and there may or may not be packages. Yeah. And we live in a very, very um, 
rural area, so there's barely any neighbors, but uh, mm. and nobody nobody's grabbing things. But uh, I I wonder, I do wonder what Craig just got. Like, tell us more about the Amazon purchases. <laughs> An unboxing. Mm. It, it was <laughs> it was a hard drive for my Xbox. Nothing exciting. Oh wow, that uh, pro gamer move. Very nice. I've so got I've got every console. I've got every console. The new Xbox, the new PS5. Mm. I spent months on stock informer trying to find stock because they're still horrifically out of stock i've got the old consoles even older con yeah anyway yeah i'm, I'm quite into games um <laughs> what, was, what was i saying oh yeah wednesday audio yeah um, performance art continuing with your art no matter what you think of it just uh, keep yes. going yeah so every, everybody everybody was very encouraging the 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 format just developed and mm. i started seeing i'm a massive fan of comedy i'm a, I'm a massive fan of stand-up comedy i'm quite a student of it all i'm a frustrated comedian in many ways um and i love podcasting and i think the nat it's just a natural medium it's those natural crossover sections for me and i, I like messing with sound effects and just all these layers. So when I when I started doing the podcast and people started picking up on some of these things that I do on the podcast and and saying them back to me in the community, I was like, there's something about these things that are recurring that people are enjoying. So to, to have that kind of feedback from people straight away, um, it, it helped me continue to develop the, the medium and I, there, there was as it goes on and on and on and then there's more and more and more and more in jokes that keep going on leading right up to the last episode which was called content repurposing which loops right back round and talks about all of the jokes all over again it, it was people just you know kept encouraging the whole thing in in the community and whenever you make something to have a bunch of cheerleaders saying i, I love that it, it, it's you know it's priceless so the community was definitely a big influence on it, and the people in there are all very, very anti. What well, what's kind of the right word? Anti content, I guess, and content, content with a capital F, as I say on the podcast. Not everything content is not bad in itself, but content that's just a means to an end, that's just there to sell something. Bad content you know, lists, listicles, that kind of thing. Everybody's against that kind of thing. And everybody has kind of ascended self-improvement, I guess. Um, a lot of us have read a lot of self-improvement books and we're, we all know that they're exactly the same book, you know, rechurned out over and over and over. So a lot of the thinking in the group was a big influence on it. But then some of my favourite radio DJs are a big influence on it that you would never have listened to that you mm -hmm. would you wouldn't even know who they are, particularly one called Sean Keaveney, who used to be on a, a UK radio show that we used to listen to him in the office every day. Um, and some of the things that I do in my podcast are direct rips from what he used to do. Um, the, they started as direct rips, and then they just develop into something else. One of the things I used to do a lot when I first started it was long pauses, and they kind of developed into something else as the podcast continued on and using other people's voices in the podcast as well. I used to do that a lot and that kind of snowballs into something else. So that, yeah, there was kind of a lot of different things and the biggest thing, you know, was just having a thing to play with, to have some fun with. 
Um, the biggest part about it is the improv section. I'm quite... Um, it, 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 I don't plan pretty much anything. I have a couple of notes in, in, a, in a notion that tells me the order of the show. That's pretty much all I plan. And then I just hit record and then just, ah, and then just have everything in front of me and just start hitting random buttons and saying random things. Um, and I, that's part of the fun of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to have a thing to have fun with, I think. And yeah. it, it made me realize that I wanted to do more of that and just do the things that are fun to have fun with because mm. I don't need to make money from anything that, that, that I make, you know? Yeah, I think that that is one of the biggest things that I feel when I when I listen to it. Like this is not formalized. This is not a, a goal-driven like strategy or a tactic or something that that this is such a prevalent thing in the in the audience building community because everybody's building an audience. Like there's it's not it's not just gathering friends or like being surrounded by interesting people that enjoy the things you do and you enjoy theirs. It's always in this kind of strategic um very formal very a, like guide rail containing transactional approach. transactional yeah it's, it's super it. transactional it, thank you yeah that that makes it's not relational at all for most people like they want numbers they want numbers to go up and then they want to monetize the numbers completely omitting the fact that these are human beings yeah. that they interact with such a weird thing right that's that we see social media through this kind of detached lens of of abstraction almost like when, when i look at my social media feed i always try to see people but it's very easy to just see engagement targets when, when that's the, the way you approach marketing or sales right you want numbers you want leads the fact that we even call this leads and, and prospects and it, nothing about this is human all of this could be just a category right and and that's the thing that i feel is completely missing with content like yours because it's 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 not content content it's just we we call it content for the lack of a better word but it's it to me it's just something that you made and it's good like it's it's a it's a, a good in in the, in the best sense of the noun right it's it's something that i derive value from entertainment enjoyment fun um, connection even with you because i know it's authentic it's you it's it's not just content it's not methodically placed there to get me to do something else Mm. and it's, th that is what i aspire to do as well but go, go ahead it's performance art and just just as yeah. just as jamie used that term i've spoke about this a little bit but not very much it it's performance art and i think any anything that we should strive to make online one i love to call it art because i think we should always mm. it changes the the inherent connection to the things that we make if we call it art mm -hmm. and then two performance art tends to make you think that it needs to be perf perf performed and it, it, it's it's a piece. Both of those things help me to think about how to do this properly when I think of it as performance art. I know it's, it sounds a bit wanky. That's probably the word I'd use. I wonder myself. why. I wonder why, because I feel the same way, because when I, when I think about my presence on Twitter, I know everything I do is at least a tiny little bit performance, right? Even if it's just talking about, I don't know, my sales that I have with my latest project, there's there's a genuine part of me that just wants to share and teach other people. This is possible. Look at this. This is cool. You could do this too, because I know they can, because I did, and, and I've seen other do it, other people do it. But there's always this kind of, oh, hmm, should I be doing this? Is this 
on like uh is this my persona should, should i be doing this like what is one of the weirdest questions to ask yourself if i was my authentic self would i be doing this like how what kind of weird recursive way of thinking about your own actions is this right when you ask yourself would i do that like, obviously because it's me <laughs> but um that that means like an understanding that everything you do in front of a group of people whoever it is your friends or your your online audience is a little bit performative and that kind of it makes it very interesting because that mm. makes turns it into a, a piece an, an art piece right and even if it's just something as boring as posting a screenshot of something that is a performative act and if you understand it like that i think it's more enjoyable like I, at least i i feel that way i don't know what you guys think about this but because you also have sizable audiences in front of which you communicate something right mm. yeah I, I i i agree um I, i've been going through the the same kind of thing with twitter now I, now i don't write 10 tweets a day i only write things when i say when i have something to say um mm -hmm. And I'm I'm almost going through the the same thing again that I've gone through with Twitter multiple times of destroying my audience to remove the people who don't want to hear the things that I want to say, um, but doing that this time is the time when most people have gone. Hang about, Craig. You're either a wrong, which is good to hear that, or b. What do you mean by this? Um, mm -hmm. For me, for me, when people are when I'm poking things like that on Twitter and poking the bear and people reply with those kind of things, that's a good thing because it, it, it makes me, it makes me think I'm saying the right things. We, we I was saying this in, in the discord group. I've been talking about the other day that it actually feels like a calling that the things that I'm saying, it actually feels genuine me that I believe in now. Whereas the other things, it was just, I'm a, I'm a designer. I'm just pushing my design stuff buy design from me, you know, and enjoy my tweets, see you later, I'm growing an audience, that kind of thing. Whereas now there isn't that transactional element to a lot of the things that I'm doing. I am actually saying things that I do 100% believe in, a lot of things around art and around, around doing good work and doing it right. And that, the, some of the things that I say on Twitter when I say that, makes people question the way that they look at things and that's hard for some people to 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 kind of understand also twitter's not the perfect medium to discuss a lot of these things but it it is is quite amazing how some of the conversations i've had with with one guy the other day when i was talking about content and i use the word a lot on twitter sometimes i, I put an asterisk in it sometimes i don't and he's like you are you're always bashing on content um, and he's a good friend. He said it in he said it in uh, in good faith, and we had a DM conversation afterwards. And we're going to do a podcast about it. But he couldn't un understand what I meant by it. His vision of art was art doesn't make you any money. So why mm. should you be pr trying to make art? Mm. What you should be doing is making content because content is the only thing that makes you money because it's got a purpose. So he saw art and content in two very black and white ways. Um, I don't see it like that whatsoever. But it, it woke me up to the idea again that some people do see it like that. And What's the point in making what you want? What's the point in being authentic? What's the point in just saying what you want to say 
It's not going to make me any money. It's not going to make my side hustle. It's not going to sell my Gumroad PDF. Why would I do that? It- I'm sorry, sorry for, for jumping in here, but I just have this feeling that some people really only think in short terms when yeah. it comes to just doing things online or whatever. Like what kind of finite game mindset this actually is, is incredible to me. Right, like when you can, when you only do things to lead you to the very next thing, instead of like understanding that some things you do today have zero impact tomorrow, but it mean the world of difference a couple months from now, a couple weeks from now, whatever it is. And I'm, I mean, maybe this is just my arrogance in having understood this and having leveraged this in my own work to know that any good thing that I do today doesn't come back immediately, but a couple of weeks to a couple of months from now, people will remember this and then make a choice that benefits me much more than if it were to happen tomorrow. But this, this incredibly black and white, high, high contrast definition between content and art feels like the consequence of being taught by by whatever system right if it is the educational system that we have or the the professional marketing or sales systems that have been established over the the last couple decades that is such a narrow-minded fixed um mindset that is that is not leaving much room for win-win situations that that, or, or relationships that enable these opportunities over time and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very angry right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And I'm just trying to communicate this without letting the anger come through. But and, and I Let don't, don't want to diss your friend either because obviously he has a pr- pr- very likely pretty valid reasons to understand these as very different things. But I wish we would have more conversations about uh, the overlap between functional work and artistic work. Mm. That they're not distinct, that they're a continuum, and you can push one into the other direction, and it won't lose any of its essence, right? And I, I, I don't really know how to phrase this. I'm still ang- angry thinking. Probably not mm-hmm. a good idea. But thank you for bringing this up, because it, it really hurts me to think mm-hmm. that pe- people believe that content is only functional. Yeah. Mm. Really, I don't know. Sorry, I'm just going to retract something, something. Something I want to comment on. Uh, related to all of this. And the idea is like, it's very, very obvious when a creator is like having fun with something. And that is infectious or contagious and people want to support that. So like with all, all of Craig's content, like to date, like, I, you can, you can, you can see when he's having fun and when he's not, you know, and with Wednesday audio, like this is playful. It's fun. It's something Craig enjoys doing. And other people in our community, in our communities, like oftentimes are the type of people who want to support others when they're having fun and passionate about the work that they're doing, you know? So I don't know how you guys describe these communities and these roles, right? Like there's the creator economy. Oftentimes it's interchangeably used with the passion economy. Maybe they're different, but regardless of terms, like I, I always want to support people when they're very early in their careers, when I can see their talent and their passion shining through in their work. And, 
And I think that's probably something a lot of us have experienced at different phases in our careers. And we've spotted it in, in others as well. This piece back here, the creator manifesto by illustrated by the wonderful Ash lamb. Uh, he's one, you know, who I, I met on, on Twitter when he had less than a hundred followers and I was like, Holy crap, this kid's I'll say, Holy shit. Craig, can you beat that, beat that out for me? Um, Holy shit. This kid's incredibly talented. It was so obvious. Like, and he loved his work. Like I DM'd him on Twitter when he had less than a hundred followers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo dude, you're amazing. Like would love to work together. Like, <laughs> and his, his energy about his work is so infectious. He's so hyped up and uh, just about the opportunity to, to work on anything uh, at that point with anyone. It, it was, it was cool. And uh, like his passion made me want to support him. Right. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Like it kind of comes around full circle. And I think, with the Wednesday audio show, like it, it feels like from the outside, not even speaking to Craig about it um, much is like Craig is doing this cause he likes it. He enjoys it. And like other people enjoy this and other people enjoy the in, infectious hilariousness and oddity of the show. Like, it's like, what is going on? Like, it's always surprising. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I think there's something there to, uh, us in the creator economy, like wanting to be able to monetize our passions and seeing other people who are doing what they're passionate about, like it comes full circle. Mm. All right. Yeah. Circle of life. Definitely. I don't know what it's yeah. called. And I completely agree with you. And I think the problem comes, and, I, and in fact, I know this is where the problem comes because I've experienced it myself, is a combination of two short-term thinking, like Arvid said, and wanting to fit the thing that you're doing into the format of what somebody else is doing mm-hmm. and just just to take somebody somebody like ash uh, as an example um if ash wanted to do his thing but completely make it look like jack butcher's visualized value he wouldn't be where he is now and too often I see this process of people taking a very unique thing that they do and trying to mould and bend and force it into a into another shape of what somebody mm-hmm. else is doing, another creator. And I think that's where the cognitive dissonance starts coming from. And I think that's when people start making silly choices on on online in the way that they're doing things. And that's the thing that, makes me angry when i see that when i i I see people who are are undoubtedly artistic and are making beautiful things in whatever medium it is and they reduce the the beautifulness the art Mm -hmm. of it to mold it into a a twitter thread with seven tweets or something like that because that is the prevailing knowledge of the way that it has to be done Mm -hmm. and I, i that's that's where this transactional thing comes back in again. And that's so often a, a theme of the things that I try to say. And some people, they're, they're kind of just not ready to hear that yet. Mm. I, I think it trying to do those things, if you're trying to do the things that somebody else has already done, you're already on the back foot because yep. the, the other person is, is already crushing it with the thing that they're doing. And if you just try mm. and do the thing that they do, just in a different format 
you'll always be behind behind the eight ball with it and that's what i was trying to do with all of the things that i was doing i was trying to make a a particular the other podcast trying to make a an interview podcast there's thousands of interview podcasts and mm-hmm. trying trying to do the visuals in my particular way which looked kind of a lot of like lot like visualized value and trying to tweet probably the most egregious one egregious is my favorite word right now by the way probably Very good that's the good word probably the most egregious one it is tweeting the same way as everybody else that yeah we 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 kind of we're so quick to forget that the the Jamie's point about if if you're being yourself and you're authentically being yourself and you're showing your passion and you're in it makes you interesting just by default you could be talking about anything and making anything but if you're just doing it because you want to do it it's just infectious you you'll just listen to it or watch it or or view it but I I, I don't know how to solve that i don't know well, how i think to- the, the the creator economy is starting to solve this internally because the, the more i'm i'm part of these conversations about people trying out new things the more i see that celebrating courage in a world of compliance gets people out of their shell you know like if you if you see somebody trying something and you really go in there and say this is a good thing go more do mm-hmm. more of that and you, you don't just celebrate the thing they do, but the courage that it takes to make it, then you, you get to, to actually empower them to, to ignore their own self-talk that, that keeps them from actually doing things. I personally know this, and you probably both know this as creators, that we have this, this weird feedback loop in our minds that tells us not to do stuff because it might not be nice or it might not work or it's not like the things that do work, which is where imitation comes in and why we imitate Jack Butcher and why we imitate people writing these egregious threads out there. Right, these these gi- ginormous pieces of information that nobody has the time to read, but everybody retweets. Right, that kind of stuff that we th- we think is valuable to other people, but is essentially us just cargo culting Twitter. That should not be what people produce to be their most meaningful self. And I think by being part of the community that highlights the courage to do new things instead of just highlighting the polished results of doing old things, we're, we're shifting this already. But it does take action like from everybody involved in the community to actually go there, seek these things and celebrate them. Like really tell people it is okay to do new things and I'm happy you're doing this. That, that is what I feel. That is most of my day. That's what I do now. I, I've chosen to make it my mission to help people help themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm on Twitter all the time and celebrating other people's successes because I've, or attempts at success, maybe that. Because I feel that I don't want to be yet another person writing threats or encouraging people to write threats. I, I was talking to Jay Klaus just yesterday. We recorded a little podcast episode for his thing. And he said, well, what do you think about threats? Because everybody's talking about threats. And I was thinking, yeah. And, and the fact that everybody's talking about threats is a threat. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a problem. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, everybody's trying to find best practices. And in finding those best practices makes them the worst practices. It's this weird, like vicious cycle of everybody jumping on, on a bandwagon and then like the bandwagon just overloads and crushes everybody to death. It feels like this is what Twitter has become 
for many people who are seeking the thing beyond connection, that they're not looking for connection with people, they're seeking for they're seeking financial success or sales or whatever it is. Anything that is not a human to human connection will lead you into this cycle. Into I have to be as efficient as I can on Twitter because I have this this weird goal that is not in connecting or relating to people, but in making money. And then I use people for it. It's like what what Immanuel Kant has been always saying in this this categorical imperative of his, right? That there are different versions. One of them is um, the one with uh, "don't do" or I, "I don't do unto you what I don't want you to do unto me" kind of thing. And then there's one that says, which is another reading of it, and I found that always much more interesting. Is always use people not as a means to end an end, but always as an end in themselves. I always relate to connect with people as if they were not just a means to an end, but also always an end. And that means that anything you do has to be about helping other people. It has to be empowering other people to do whatever they want to do a little bit better. And that is what I found is, is my purpose. That is my calling. My purpose is not to sell books or Twitter courses, which I recently launched. You know, like it doesn't, that is not why I'm there. I, I made this thing. <laughs> I made this thing because I want people to be able to make whatever they want to make. And I, I, I honestly, I made the thing because I always wanted to have a green screen and I always wanted to do video. That's probably one of the reasons that I even did this for, for my, my latest you project. Have made, you should have just made a course about Jamie Russo. That would have been way cooler. Oh, we, we can definitely do that. I have a lot of time. Make a documentary <laughs> about Jamie. That I, I, I'd watch it. I'd buy it. <laughs> Yeah. How to Jamie our, Russo. Our, <laughs> <laughs> it's documentary about. Uh, speaking of how to, awesome. I, I was just, um, have, have you guys seen the uh, uh, John Wilson show on HBO? No. The show is called How To uh, with John Wilson. Craig, I think oh, you would yeah, really, I've seen the, the first episode. Craig, I think you would really like it. It's, oh, it's definitely beautiful. on an extreme end of performance art. Um, yeah. He creates an entire episode about New York City scaffolding. 30 minutes on HBO, uh, his, his, his style of performance art. So he walks around New York city all day, every day with, uh, with a video camera and he just films random stuff happening on the streets of New York. And then he goes back to his tiny, small apartment, uh, in the middle of Queens, I believe maybe Brooklyn. Um, and he just like edits clips together and then narrates hilarious stories over it. How to with John Wilson. I was just thinking yeah, of it. And then Harvard, Harvard, Harvard mentioned a how to, but um, it's yeah. beautiful too. Like the, I, I the, like the this. stuff that comes up, right? Like I just remember the first episode and the, the depth of it and the, the humanity of that show like you do not expect this in, in, in comedy. Usually you don't because like it's mostly like quick puns and yeah. uh, deliver laughter and stuff. But this show is surprisingly deep and just adorable. Like it's really adorable because you can adore him for being himself and the other people in there for just being people with their own thing beyond the, the shallow kind of outside that you like, what is it like a persona that you may attribute to them? It's, it's a really good show. I, I, I know Craig, you would like it, but I'm, and, and now you have to like it because we told you so. I, and <laughs> I, I, I already, I can already visualize what it's going to be like. And this is kind of an extension to the Kant point as well. And I, I've said this before about content or art or whatever you want to call it, a thing that you're making, they only become good 
when the thing you are making is the end. Yeah. It, 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 it can be the end. It might be leading to something else. It might be, you know, trying to upsell you something else or whatever. But the thing that you are making has to be able to stand on its own as a complete thing. It, it, it you know, that's when the biggest problems come along with, with any of these things is when mm-hmm. it is trying to make you go away and do the next thing in the funnel. Uh, that's mm-hmm. when the transactional process comes in. That's when that flip there is when it becomes content and not art. And that's the biggest problem with it for me. And the the thing I try to say on Twitter all the time, so people going, yeah, yeah, Craig, I want to make money, and yeah, mm. annoys me. Mm. That's good. But it's it's not surprising that people want to make money, right? Like we we all kind of need that. But the it's like making quick cash and building something that is actually creating wealth, and not just wealth for you, but actually like meaning for others and and opportunities for others too. That makes a whole whole lot of difference. And if you approach what you're making to be an end, like a self-sustaining thing that produces something meaningful, and that could be a book, that could be a, a theater piece, that could be a script for a movie that somebody else makes or whatever, right? If it's something that itself generates value and is not just for one transaction, like a consumable thing, but a thing that allows people to make their own, I think that's the best thing you can do. And and for that, that that yeah, and understanding that things take time is also a big a big uh, component to this, right? Because people they see Twitter, they see a threat, and they see the likes. They don't see the years that you spend figuring out how to communicate well or to be interesting, right? The, the experiences that you had in your life that allow you to talk about certain things in a certain way that is intriguing to others. Mm. It's like, the, the, I would see the overnight success, but not the years in the making that it took to get there. And um, I think that's that's just something that you have to accept in many ways. Like people yeah. don't get the backstory. They, everybody sees their own backstory and they see the highlight reel of somebody else. It's kind of whenever it comes to self-talk, that's a problem for me that, that I've been looking into as well. That when you compare yourself to others, you see their highlight reel, you see their best, the best moments, right? The, the short summary, that the thing that they choose to project and you compare it against your whole experience, the ups, the downs, the, the, the conflict, the, the, the doubts that you have, everything. Obviously, you will pale in comparison to their three glory moments when you do take your whole experience. So you see this amplified by everything, by not by, by retweets, by, by likes and everything on Twitter and, and, and any social community that has these kind of metrics. And that makes people chase those numbers instead of chasing the value that, could you please peep that, that, that it comes from, you know, a ex- lifetime of experience. Nobody's going to understand what the whole beeping thing is because <laughs> no, nobody's going to go, this well, is just an extended it, advert for the Wednesday audio, isn't it? That, that is exactly what we're doing. <laughs> You've paid us both $10 each to turn mm. this, uh, this hour-long podcast into an ad. Well, yeah. speaking of adverts, I wanted to talk about mm. your Twitter course because <laughs> th- th- this this leads into what we're talking about because you've launched a Twitter oh, course. You've launched a Twitter course and Twitter courses are, are kind of one of the most egregious, I'm going to say it again, mm-hmm. one of the most egregious... <laughs> egregious forms of this content pyramid value Mm -hmm. nonsense all these things that we're talking about they're they're the worst of it 
often. No, totally. And you've yeah. launched a Twitter course, and and, and it is a tw- well, it is a Twitter course. It, it, it oh, teaches people how to use Twitter, and I I found that quite interesting because everything we've been talking about, some people might hear what we've been talking about and say, well, Avid's launched a Twitter course, and mm-hmm. that th- that's the worst of these kind of things, but. Yeah. You've launched a Twitter course teaching people how you do Twitter. And I think that's one of the most important things that we're talking about, that you've made a thing to show people how you do a thing. You've not made a thing to show people the correct way of doing a thing, because that's impossible, because there isn't a correct way of doing any of these things. But unfortunately, that's the way that often these things are dressed, that this is the ultimate... 100% 100% best way to do this thing by now and it doesn't work for you and it pisses you off whereas yeah the thing that you've I don't want to put too many words in your mouth but the thing that you've made is it's how Arvid Carl does Twitter right no thank you well yes it, that, that is absolutely what it is and it's, it's uh, my, my attempt at telling people um that my experience of just being a nice person on Twitter has resulted in actually a pretty pretty solid Twitter following. That's really what it is. I've met amazing people, both of you, right? I would not have met you if I hadn't been active on Twitter. And look at what came out of it. Get the chance to talk to my friends on the weekend. That is that's just real nice, right? And and that is what what I think um, a lot of people are missing because they are looking at it through numbers. Like one of one of the things that I that I wanted from the beginning is to, to really focus it on empowerment and kindness, and completely bash all kinds of growth hacks and everything that I could come across in the course. Like whenever I I talk about a tactic or like a, a giveaway or whatever, I, I immediately try to to tell people you can try this if that works for you. That's great, but please don't do it. It's <laughs> kind of the whole idea. <laughs> like everything that I see, threads, great, but you you don't need to. You could just like reply to somebody and have have a nice conversation that is probably going to be better for everybody involved than if you could find the seven best ways of replying somebody and have a nice conversation or something like that right you don't need that you could just be a person on twitter that's that's why i wanted to make this also again it was an experiment for me to move my things that i already do talk, talk to people and tell people to be nice to each other into a medium with video i honestly i just wanted to buy lights and stuff that's really why i did this i wanted to buy lights and i wanted to buy a teleprompter and i wanted to sit on it and like talk into a camera it's, it's really the only reason and obviously teach people too but what has come out of it is a very, Arvid, are very you gonna, interesting Arvid are you going to be launching a, a Thursday audio soon with that camera <laughs> no 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 I'm going to co- put out a competing Wednesday we can take over the whole week between the three of us <laughs> let's do it oh it shouldn't be all released on Wednesday wouldn't that be so no, much no, no, no. no 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 we can't <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't fine. compete not, with the 101 uh, best podcast in the improvising uh, section of Apple. In all of it, yeah. That, that, that is 101th most popular I, I podcast in Apple Podcasts, according to Carlos. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I just, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just happy that I got to do this. And and honestly, responses. I, I built a little community around it too. Right? I, I was thinking all these people are trying to to do be better people on Twitter, why not put them in one community and have to just chat with each other? Because it's like an empowerment thing that I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm very happy with this at this point. I think there's 125 people just checking in wow. this community um, with a quarter of them active right now. And um, there's a lot of little conversations where people try to figure out, okay, is this good? Is this, this going to help somebody or not? Like I'm just trying to funnel people into thinking, is the thing that I'm doing good? 
Right, which is kind of I I'm I think the one of the first things I'm going to do today is join the the Roaring Twenty Social Club because I feel this is exactly where I want to be, in in a in a company of people that want to make good things. It feels uh, let's turn this whole show into a sponsored advertising for all these kind of things. But honestly, it's it's something that I I want to be associated with people that want to do good stuff, and I want people to feel that they are able to surround themselves with people that want to make good stuff. And the feedback that I've gotten on the course, which is just really me having written a lot of words and, and narrating them through a teleprompter, is that people are really really happy that there's somebody out there that doesn't just feed them the same old shit. Like that's really what I get. Mm. And I enjoy that. I enjoy knowing that somebody out there has been listening to me for four and a half hours on video. I don't know how they do it. I wouldn't do it, but they do. <laughs> and find found something meaningful that actually changed their perspective on how they can relate with other people. If that is what this course does, perfect. I don't care. That's all I want people to, to understand relationships a bit better. But thank you for talking about it, Craig. I'm glad because I've been having a couple of great days. It's been out for a week and a half or so and just happy, very happy, happy person today. Came out great, Arvid. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'd like to learn a little bit more um, about the decision behind the format um, mm. of it all. So uh, maybe you can tell everyone that's listening, like, what you get when you, when you purchase it, I get, this is not an ad, by the way, this is, a, this is for learning experiences, actually for my own learning experience as well. Um, so like, what do you get when you purchase it? Um, the first thing that I dove straight into was a like four hour long, uh, video. Uh, like how did you decide to just put together like one long stream of consciousness and, and into a video? Uh, how did you, decide or why did you decide not to break it up into different chapters and release it through, I, I don't know, like another platform other than Gumroad, like help us understand what some of the thought process was behind the, the course. So when it comes to Twitter courses, like I, I haven't consumed many because they are all really like what Craig said, really crappy. Most of them like that, the ones um, you find on, on the Udemy and stuff, it's just people rehashing the same old content. There's one out there that I like that was by Daniel Vassallo. Like everybody can build a Twitter audience. He's, he's obviously an indie hacker. He's in the, in the scene, right? He, he wrote a book on AWS stuff and now he's building a house in the forest or something. It's really nice. He's a great guy. And uh, his Twitter course has been inspirational to me because I saw, oh, here's somebody just really sharing what they know. It's not about what to do. It's really just, okay, here's what I did and that worked for me, that did not. He kind of... He, that was a stream of consciousness stuff that he did. He, it's a two-hour course or something, and he just narrates into like a Loom recording and shares his Twitter feed and stuff. And I thought I can do this, but better. <laughs> this is really one of my internal thought was, "Hey, Daniel, cool stuff." But it's been a couple of years, and it, it's still a bit like marketingy. So I want to do this, but coming from an, an empathy point, from a, from a place of kindness and from a place of connection. And I think that is a voice that I want to give. And honestly, I was a bit scared because I am competing with uh, what is essentially one of my like heroes in the space and i was talking to him in a in a dm and he said hey i appreciate you that you're doing this because i think there's i, I said what i want to say that's his his words like he said i said what i want to say about twitter and there's enough space for, for other people to say more things about it and i found that incredibly kind so he's a great guy and um so what i did is like what i always did i i just hunkered down and wrote a book just turns out that this is not a book it's a course like i wrote forty-two thousand words as a as a book and then i put little 
illustrations and slides to it in a keynote file. I essentially wrote a book in a keynote file. I put a little thing, what I want to talk about, and then I wrote the, the presenter's notes, and that turned into what ended up uh, to, uh, what 250-some-page book, what, if it would be one. Um, and added illustrations while I was going through my thoughts, reordered them a little bit at the end, did an editorial pass, and that took me 21 days. Like I started January 1st, and January 21st, I was done with the writing. Um, I, I read it aloud once just to go through the text, right? as I usually do. I write a thing, I read it aloud, mostly into a microphone or just into the room. It was kind of weird but for everybody else living here, but it was fun for me. And then the day after, I just recorded it in one session. I put it on a teleprompter. I have two iPhones. One was the camera. The other one was the teleprompter. I have a little teleprompter where you know they have a phone on the bottom and the camera behind it. And then it kind of prompts the text. And I just read it in a five-hour session front to back. Um, got a little bit hoarse at the end of it, but that is the course. It's just me sitting there on a Tuesday or on a Monday reading what I wrote into a camera and smiling at people. That was important. So that is that is kind of how it happened. And then I did the whole editing thing and, you know, like the green screen background and, you know, and that, that resulted in the video. But what I wanted was a, a comprehensive course on um, or just really me talking to people about what I did, what I think is the the underlying framework of my work because mm-hmm. writing about it actually allowed me to conceptualize it, to understand what I was doing and to share that in a, in a way that is consumable by people, how they expect things to be consumed. It's not just on Gumroad. The course is also in Podia where it is split into the five sections that it has. It. And I put it on Udemy and Skillshare as well. But um, as it is, it's one big video with a comprehensive narrative, the, the why, the how, and the what of audience building or growing a following. And then some Q and A at the end. That's really what it is. And and it comes with, I, yeah, that's one of one other thing. I don't just want to tell people what what happens. Like, I, I just don't want to give them a video and that's the whole thing. I wanted to throw in an opportunity for them to actually assess what I've been doing in the past. So I made a data export from Twitter. I, apparently, I wrote 42,000 tweets in the past. I didn't know, but... Apparently that's the case. So I put them all in a, in a spreadsheet with the engagement metrics so people can see, okay, did that resonate well or did it not? And threw that in uh, as well. And I, I have a Notion document, like a, a living database of links and uh, additional spreadsheets and stuff for people to use to do the exercises in the course because it's exercise heavy. There's a lot of little things for you to do to, to understand your own core values and to find the right people on Twitter. Like exercises, like real things. Um, and, and I threw that in there too. So yeah, let's let's stop the advertising part. But really, that that is that is what I what I I would have wanted myself. It's like the, the books I wrote and the blog posts I write. I re- really write these things for myself a couple of years in the past because I would have liked to have this when I started out. So I wouldn't didn't have to experiment and do all these things that didn't work to get somewhere. Mm. That's really what it is. Mm. Just to continue the advert on a little bit more, I've just bought the course now. Yes. So just to provide some oh, yeah. social proof, I've just I've just bought the course right now. Yeah, the, pro- the process was smooth. You can buy the course now too. <laughs> actually, I, I, I actually peeked at my phone because I've come with notifications on and I saw it. So thanks a lot, Craig. That's really kind of you. But um, yeah, it's uh, it has been really cool. I, I actually, I, I implemented a purchasing power parity pricing yesterday so that people- Amazing have come from like from Turkey, they get like 80% off or something because the Turkish currency is currently really, they have a, they have a problem how'd you, there. How'd you do that Arvid? There's a, um, a product out there, a free product called parody bar. You nice. can put that on 
any website and then people who come there from any kind of country will see a coupon for their particular country's currency devaluation you know 80 percent for for turkey maybe 30 percent for slovenia or something and um parity purchasing power parity pricing that's the thing i wrote about this week or last yeah. week or whatever is a um is an interesting concept. It's the idea that you, you correct your prices for the difference between what the exchange rate is and what the actual purchasing power in a country is. And the, the cool thing is it goes up too. Like the, the US dollar is like the baseline, but if you're in Switzerland, purchasing priority pricing suggests that you add 40% on top of the price. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. Like I didn't because there are no negative coupons on Gumroad. You can't just add 40% for somebody, but, and, and you can't really get people to use a coupon to pay pay more i mean you might but you know it's a it's an interesting concept that there is this kind of imbalance between currencies and you can correct for it and immediately overnight i have seen people from from africa from southeast asia from um south america from essentially from anywhere but like europe and and the united states and, and canada purchasing this thing um and applauding the move because there's so few creators out there that actually change their prices dynamically, which is so weird, right? Because every business out there that has multiple locations changes their prices. Like you get a Coke in, in, the, in the States like for, for $1.50. And if you go to India, the, the actual um, value of a can of Coca-Cola is probably like in comparison fifty to as well. Cents, but like you cents. walk down the street to another place and it's like $2.50. For the same yeah. exact reason, because it's on the beach. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. You, you have that internal thing, but at least you should ask the, uh, how many people live price. by the beach, Arvid, and then you can also uh, <laughs> increase their uh, uh, price by fifty percent. That, that's the, a cool the reason. Coupon, I've, like I've a heard a lot coupon. of people ask about this, and uh, what what are the the easiest ways to do it? And I've never really heard of, of solutions before. I know uh, Janelle Loy was thinking about doing this for her mm-hmm. courses as well uh, years ago. Um, asking all of Twitter, like, how is this possible? And like, not really finding a, a, a simple solution. So it sounds like you found something that works. Yeah, it's um, it only really works if you're using platforms that support coupons and yeah. if you have a landing page that you funnel everybody through. Because yeah. I've been trying to get Gumroad to implement this for a, a long while. Like I've had this thought, I think uh, when I started my my newsletter, episode five or something, must have been two years ago, I thought about this and I've been trying to pester these, these companies into an, allowing to enable this just as a regular thing that people who come from India, they get 60, 70% off. Not because um, it, you want to make less money, but because that enables you to actually access that market, right? And then there's this whole problem with um, people abusing it, using VPNs or something. And some tools exist out there that capture, uh, capture um, these attempts at abuse. But honestly, I don't, I don't care. Like I would rather have one guy getting the thing for a bit cheaper, but have a hundred people to actually for the first time in their life, be able to afford a course like this, you know, yeah. like the, just uh, the, the benefits outweigh the risk at the, the risks at the point. But um, I would wish for more platforms to support this, which is why I'm doing it. And I'm trying to take the little leverage that I have in terms of my audience to get to push these platforms you know, to, to think about it more, prioritize uh, it a little bit more. If you're listening to this right now, uh, get on Gumroad support and just 
pester them. <laughs> and they've been thinking Ask about it. I think I know they, they, they have, they have yeah. a, a help um, help desk um, article on how to use other tools to enable it. I just would like this to be a first class citizen, which is quite literally the opposite of you know how people consider these third world countries. I want this to be a whole world country idea mm-hmm. where you're not just thinking about your customers of having access to U.S. salaries or something, but you're actually mm-hmm. as a, as a creator with a global audience understand that people in other places have other currency situations than you might have. I think this would be a really nice SaaS product to build, Arvid. I am playing with the idea because, again, I have a lot of time and very little to do. But it also feels like um, this is this is something that I would like to push the, the actual platforms to enable instead of having to patch it in there. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's actually quite, it's quite simple in, in many ways, but um, it could make a lot of difference. So I, w- I would love to do this. Or recall yeah. could build this API. Mm. Is, is there any, and it, is there any parity pricing right. for Barnsley? <laughs> you know, cause we're, we're all poor. Only, uh, so only on Wednesday. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think it doesn't go um honestly could you go to your local McDonald's and check out the price of a of a Big Mac cuz that is what most this of the parity pricing systems are actually using no way to, yeah that that's the Big Mac index which is tracking Big Mac prices in in all kinds of countries and uses that against the exchange rate because I'll the Big tell Mac you right now is, I'll tell you right now yep just go ahead because the Big Mac as a burger as a, as a product is so optimized logistics chains behind it. And it's the same everywhere unless you're in India because you know, it's, it's beef problem, but you know, in most other countries you can compare the big Mac and the price that goes into it as a um, very reliable product that is the same everywhere. They actually, there's a latte index too. They go to Starbucks and check the price of a, of a latte same deal because Starbucks is also everywhere and that price indicates how much a somewhat lux- luxury like item is actually worth. And then I did some research. There is the Mac index that tracks the price of iPhones and of, of Mac computers over in every country to see how much a luxury good like that can actually cost. So depending, depending on that, you know, that, that's how these things work. And it's, it's funny because you could use different indices and, and generate a coupon, um, depending on, on the price there. Let me see where the, where the UK is in this. The United Kingdom is... Um, so a, a, big Mac in, I, a Big Mac in Barnsley costs um, 25 pence. What the frick is that mean? <laughs> kind of is, is that for real? I don't you don't know so. if I'm joking because nobody understands the UK currency system, do they? So. I, I think that that would roughly equate to what is like 40, 40 cents uh, in, in in the US, right? And probably that's that's fifty cents in the, in Canada here. I don't believe you. No, I, I'm looking at the at the list that apparently borrowed the the program that I used to to display the little coupon. Um, this. Uh, where it tricks United Kingdom and it's somewhere between 0.9 to one compared to a dollar. So um, it's, it's, it's roughly the same, right? If you, if you pay, uh, pay the, the UK price or if, if you, as a UK citizen pay the dollar exchange rate cost of my price, it's roughly the same um, when it comes to a purchasing power parity. But when I look at what this is Australia, it's 1.2. So 
I would I would have to make it twenty percent more expensive for Australians mm. because apparently their currency exchange rate and uh, the purchasing power in their country is stronger than the U.S., uh, which is interesting. Israel is one point three, and like I said, Switzerland is one point four. That's forty percent more. But if I look at countries on the other side of this, which is super interesting, like Zimbabwe, or Sudan, or Somalia, they almost get a ninety percent discount. Or they, you, they would get a 90% discount because they could just not afford anything, Liberia, Somalia, which is the other side. And then there's a lot of countries in the 0.4 to 0.3 range, you know, like Bahrain and Brazil, countries like this. Mm. And the closer you get to Europe, like Germany and uh, Canada and obviously not European, but Norway and Netherlands, that's at 0.9-ish. So if you're from a country like... Yeah. yeah, sorry, Italy and stuff. Is a, I mean, that's it's a lot of, it sounds like a lot of Big Macs, honestly. <laughs> it's, that, there's, you know, like there's an actual API somewhere out there that tracks the current parity, the purchasing power parity, and you could plug that into your coupon generation system. I've been thinking about this, obviously. Yeah. And the, you know what the worst is? I know that there's an India hacker out there building a business around this. Yeah, and I know I that if I are. wanted to build this, if I wanted to build one for myself, I would probably be in competition with them and I don't want to do that. Oh, I mean, yeah. It feels like somebody else is already building this and I don't want to build it, which is obviously stupid because the world needs solutions, right? But you know, it's uh, it kind of keeps me from actually engaging with the idea of building this. Maybe enough. we should host an Indie Hacker Hackathon. Yeah, that'd be nice. That would actually be probably better to get more people on, onto this so that don't feel as bad about building my own solution. If you wanted, wanted the real answer of Big Mac, it's £3.39 in that sounds about right just that's just the sandwich though that doesn't come with the fries yeah <laughs> yeah sorry yeah. that is uh that's important two dollars so that's 460 in united states dollars i think uh roughly i don't know what it would be here and i don't really want to check because i don't eat these things anymore i you know what since i moved to canada and since um my, my father-in-law is an actual cattle farmer we have access to very good beef and we don't go to burger chains anymore. We have our own burgers now. That is the life, living the life, the wow. barbecue life that I always dreamt of. There, there, <laughs> there, there is a really good burger place though near my house, actually in Barnsley, called Cali Cruz, where I go to Better Than Five Guys. Shout out. The, the best burger I've ever had. And, and it's in Barnsley. <laughs> they, they are not £3.39. They're more, considerably more expensive, but they're, they're worth it. Well, like. I would definitely like to visit Barnsley for that reason alone. No other reason, just that. Yeah, that is the only reason why you'd come to Barnsley <laughs> for for no other reason. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, I, I do want to come visit you at some point, and I think with uh, the opening of the borders and the life, uh, probably is a is a good idea to to um, you know plan about. Um, do, I don't know. Do you guys do any traveling, or are you planning to do any traveling? Because you know it's there's a silver lining somewhere. On the horizon i i am but i i'm still just tentative at the minute of going outside of the uk just because of the, the other the other laws in other countries it's hard to keep up with them even in america it's different states and all kinds of different rules isn't it so i hmm. i'm just not sure on the rules if i can be bothered learning the rules just to go away for a couple of weeks so <laughs> i'm i'm just waiting i think this year i'm just waiting we we went away to york um, the other week for my birthday, Jarvik, as it used to be called, the Viking capital of the UK. Um, and I went, I went there, 
and I can't be bothered to go abroad at the minute. I would like to soon. I, US is probably going to be the next one, I think, when when hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping 2023, that they'll be, it'll be back to normal by then, won't it? Maybe. <laughs> what is normal? Yeah, sure. yeah, I, I, I'm considering, I'm considering this to be normal at this point, but yeah. Canada, Canada will yeah, be. Yeah. Canada, Canada will have those rules till 20, you know, we're 20. Pretty, we're pretty normal uh, here. I mean, it's pretty normal. It's, it's changing here too. Now it's a province by province situation and exacerbated by the weird protest that's going on as well. But I think we'll, we'll be seeing change in, in some way. I, I hope so. We definitely consider traveling a little bit more, maybe inside the country to be safe, like with the whole you know regulation of being able to go, come in and don't want to travel by air because it's always complicated to deal with that. But... I hope that this year we can go to a couple conferences. Maybe there's it's a nice there's a nice one coming up, um, Founder Summit, which is around the, like Tyler Tringas and um, the the whole Bootstrapper community. It's it's they have a they have an actual summit, but it's an outdoors one. It's like an actual camping ground, and all these founders they just show up, and there's a couple lodges and stuff, and you actually tell founder stories by the campfire. It's going to happen mm-hmm. in October, so that's really cool. It's somewhere in where's that? I don't know, North Carolina or something. Oh, so that sounds be, nice. Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Check out the, the Founder Summit homepage. Uh, definitely interesting to do that. And I, I really like that people start configuring their events to be compatible with people's level of acceptance. You know, like they could just as well have gotten a big hall with no ventilation and say, ah, only the people who don't, you know, who don't care can come, but they are actually trying to make this more accessible to others. And I really appreciate that. So. That also makes me more willing to still, it's still risky to meet with lots of people, right? But, you know, it's, it's just nice to know that there's people out there thinking about my con, uh, yeah, my confidence in, in meeting other people, my comfort mm. levels. So maybe we'll Jamie, do a, how about you? Maybe we'll do a live podcast one day soon. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Would it be? <laughs> it probably would be cool. I, I would. Really I, mean, enjoy that. I don't know how to set the equipment up for that, but I, I, I've got all of the equipment in in this room. Wow. The, the mics, the huge table, all Kayla's shit. You know, all of the stuff. It's a bit messy, but <laughs> the, the, well, I hope we can build the audience around this podcast because I'd love to start uh, advertising. Uh, yes. Barnes Barnsley uh, burger joints on here someday. So. This would be ideal. I, probably some good fish and chips places over there, over there too. I, we haven't talked about that in a while. So Charles. you know, Charles <laughs> Charles in Barnsley and also Mother Hubbard's shout out. Total shout out. Like I I'm I'm happy to just totally give amazing shout outs all day for free. Like this is great. Yep. <laughs> yep. Doesn't, doesn't hurt you. And really is good for the other places. Yeah. I would love to come to Barnsley. I don't know if anybody ever said that, but I would love to come to Barnsley. <laughs> no, nobody ever said that. I accidentally ended up here. <laughs> what? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Very enjoyable. I, I, cool. I think, Anything I think else? we've run out of things. You, to you say, guys- Anything else you want to talk about that is um, not necessarily related to Barnsley Burgers or <laughs> my, my amazing Twitter course? Jamie, have you got anything to shill or sell whilst we're here? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm not shilling anything. I, I will probably uh, 
go into a bit of a creative sabbatical for a bit. Honestly, uh, I don't cool. think I want to sell anything for a while. I want to create a lot of things, uh, but I don't really want to, I'm probably going to go into a bit of a, a sales sabbatical um, for some time. I, I really like what you were sharing earlier, Craig. Like I, I never really used that term creative sabbatical before, but I, I do want to just focus on one thing. And I don't know if I know what that one, one thing is yet. Like I'm not going to leave Twitter. I love spending time on Twitter. Um, but my thing is not going to be writing massive Twitter threads, uh, every week, but, uh, definitely, definitely want to start doing like one thing, uh, to the uh, 110% of my ability and, uh, writing for two years was that was that thing. Uh, and it might still be, might still be that thing, but I really, I really enjoyed recording audio. Um, yeah, me too. This is really quite nice. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I still, it's one of my favorite mediums because you, you get to have long form conversations. Yeah. I, I think that they're massively underrated because it's one of, you know, I think it's one of the only mediums where the people doing the thing enjoy it as much as the people consuming the thing. Uh, yeah. That's that's quite powerful. They yeah, always come out of this learning something every single time we have a conversation. I feel like I've actually learned something meaningful. Yeah, and I could. I don't have many of these opportunities outside of an actual voice based co communication. That that is, yeah. It's just just so much more depth to a to a, com a conversation than there is to any kind of exchange in, in text or another medium. I, I feel, and I'm really really fortunate, and I think very grateful for you both to do this with me every every now and then. <laughs> Let, yeah, let's let's try and make it more regular. It's partly my fault. <laughs> I I am also. We've still got loads of episodes backed up, which is hundred percent my fault. I am shit, but. You know, th there we go. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to do this some more. Uh, and happy to happy to shoulder some of the the load uh, Craig's been carrying. So this is great. Cool. How how do we end? Do we say bye? Yep. Uh, yep. Bye. What, what do you have on that soundboard? <laughs> I, I, I've, I, oh, I, I've got a soundboard. I mean, which which bit do you want? <laughs> can, we, can we get the the hyper the hyper sound like the the, the super high high energy outro <laughs> that, that, can we get one of these <laughs> that'd be great which what do you mean this high energy one that one i yeah, mean that one perfect. is <laughs> that is actually awesome yeah just play it oh, oh did you mean this more Sorry. totally opposing the actual level of calmness and conversation that we had. So yeah, please go ahead. Hit it, Craig. Hit it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That was great. <laughs>